You are listening to the Shit You Can't Make Up podcast, a conversation with friends, hosted by Marisol Sanchez. Hello. Um, Hi, Marisol. Hi. Thank you all for checking in and uh, actively downloading this podcast. I'm always, every week, amazed that people do it. Um, That lovely little voice you heard is a new guest, and um, her name is Dion. I'm going to try to say it in Spanish. I'm going to totally totally butcher this. Diana Madrigal. Si. Oh, (laughs) my cousins would be so proud of me. Um, they call me the gringa. Um, (laughs) we can get into that later. Um, so you are my first, um, guest that reached out to me to be on the podcast. So thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. How did you come to find the blog or the podcast? What, um, you know what it was? I think I had posted something on Instagram and you liked it and then I went on to your page and then I started following you and then I I you know I I went to your site and on all of that good stuff I just listened to one of your podcasts and I was like oh man like what the the a few posts back on your Instagram really kind of clicked for me and I was like, I would love to be on Marisol's podcast and let me let me see what she thinks. So that's how it came to be. <laughs> well, I um, I thought it was cool because you you contacted me via the my email and sent me a link because you know, I do get, you know, some people that contact me, but usually they want to sell something. Um, yeah. But you sent me a link that was really interesting about and you gave me an idea for the podcast, which was to discuss, you know, uh, marriage, divorce, and maybe why we stay in the relationships we stay in for as long as we do. Um, yeah. So I was like, all right, let's, <laughs> that would be great. So wait, you have a, a Spanish accent. Where, where's your family from? Um, my family's from Mexico and I was actually born in Mexico, but I grew up here in California. Oh my God. We could do a whole podcast just on what you think about Trump. <laughs> oh man <laughs> no. I try not to get too political because you know trying to be you know trying to start my coaching business and being a coach you know we, we try to uh withhold judgment uh, but no, no, I'm teasing you I just I um my daughter's nickname is uh I think the fake Mexican and um she's uh She's known as a fake Mexican because I threw her a quinceanera this year and she looks exactly um, like her father, who's English, and oh, really? yeah, my mother's from Honduras. My father was from Spain. I'm first generation American, so um, it's just funny. But I live in North Carolina, and um, I have th- this has been my life basically for the last 17 years. Anytime anyone makes a comment about Mexicans, um, they'll look at me and then apologize. <laughs> Countless times, countless, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not Mexican, but okay, thanks. <laughs> you know? you, but you, hey, but you will stand up for us, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've become like such an expert on <laughs> immigration <laughs> politics because I've had yeah. to. I, you know, it, this yeah. is how every conversation starts down this road. Is like, oh my god, Mexicans are like the hardest working people I've ever met. But. <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> 
<laughs> some crazy <laughs> shit. Who was? But yeah, yeah, it comes after that. But now I won't put you on the spot about politics. Um, we'll go back <laughs> to our original topic that we discussed. But yeah, um, I just wanted to find out where you were from. So. Thank you. Oh, anyway, the reason my daughter's called fake Mexican is because we threw her quinceanera, but she looks as white as you can possibly look. Um, doesn't <laughs> speak Spanish, but she wanted a quinceanera, so she got a quinceanera. And um, well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, so her Mexican friends at school called her the fake Mexican. So that's kind of <laughs> kind of a joke. Well, she should think of it as being an on- honorary member. I know. I know. Now she. Um, it's it's a funny story because um, and this we could lead us into our conversation about marriage and divorce, but um, bef- like there's there's the me of before my divorce and there's the me of today, which are two completely different people. Um, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. The me before my divorce, um, I really had some issues uh, being Latin. I I was like a I think I did a a podcast or maybe a blog on um called like the self-hating latina like i was mm-hmm. i just um there's a combination of reasons i mean i've done the the therapy on it and i've processed it to figure out that um i think you know i had a a you know kind of a violent childhood with my mom um yeah. and i thought I think in my childhood mind and my subconscious, I thought that was Latin culture. Like I thought all my cousins were getting their ass beat like on the regular. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was uh, it. Plus I think being born here and being the first here, you know, my brother described this the best to me is you feel like you have one foot um, in American culture and you have one foot in Spanish culture, but you never kind of fit in, in either culture. Right. Like my cousins, you know, call me la gringa. But, you know, when I was little, I wanted to be called Jennifer. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be white, <laughs> I wanted to be blonde, and I wanted my name to be Jennifer. So wow. I grew up kind of um, resenting being Latin. And it wasn't, so I, you know, that's how I grew up, got married, um, had my kids. And I didn't, I mean, this is one of my greatest regrets in life is I didn't teach them Spanish. Mm. And um, it was after the divorce after like you know the really going through a lot of therapy a lot of um trying to figure myself out figure out my issues work through my my shit basically um yeah is i love being latin like i I reunited with my family i was like a prodigal daughter i came back i see them you know we visit and everything so you know, from the perspective of my kids, it's sort of like I raised them, the, the twins, the oldest, they're 15. Um, I raised them completely like, you are white. I'm giving you white privilege. This is my gift to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. And after the divorce, you know, it was like, um, I'm going to try to teach you about Latin culture as quickly as I can before you leave for college. And they you know they love it they love the food um yeah i think they they resent me for not teaching them spanish (laughs) (laughs) um my son loves 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 the um is it i don't know if that's the right use of the word patriarchy but you know how latins are very subservient to the male gender Mm -hmm. yeah no chores you know we'll serve you food we'll cook macho yeah he loves that (laughs) he's all in (laughs) he's like um 
my daughter not so much but uh, right. <laughs> she loves the music she loves the the food and it's just funny it's it's a funny how you know um, how things change yeah yeah like now i love it i love you know i i despacito is like the number one song right now um right and i just laugh every time i see you know americans or english speakers you know singing or dancing to it because i really i just want to like tap them on the shoulder and be like hey yeah didn't you want us to go build a wall (laughs) (laughs) remember that (laughs) like don't love our music don't love but you know i'm i'm getting away from the topic but that's (laughs) just a short you know how life changed before and after my divorce like it was um and that's you know where you and i were were talking off mic about um divorce and how it can change you and and how you can be stuck in a relationship for a long time and um and you know the reason why so why don't you tell me i'll shut up now and you tell me your story (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. Um, so my story was I got married very young. I was um, I had just turned nineteen uh, when I met my ex-husband, <clears throat> and we actually we eloped in Vegas. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, so that was a great start, you know. <laughs> Maybe that that should have been a sign. But uh, we eloped in Vegas. My parents stopped talking to me for, you know, like six months. Um, because obviously, you know, your parents want more for you. They, I mean, not that they were like, we, we, don't, we don't want you to be happy. That wasn't it. It was just more like, we, you know, we want you to finish college. We want you to have a career and be, you know, stable and, and, all, and, and reach your dreams and all those kinds of things that parents want for us. So for them, it was like you're you're derailing those dreams. And to me, I didn't see it that way. But in reality, that was exactly what happened. You know, I dropped out of college. Uh, you know, I moved in. We moved in together and, and everything. And then um, I got pregnant. I had the baby. So then when um, throughout the like throughout our short marriage, um, I knew he had a bad temper. I knew he had a bad temper, but uh, you know, it's like I, I said in in the, in the, in my blog, um, we pick and choose what, what we want to see. You know, for me, it was like, I made excuses for it. You know, I made it, I, I, I was like, yeah, he has a bad temper, but you know, that's because he's gone through a lot in life or, um, you know, that's just how he is. He doesn't mean it or things like that. So his bad temper and jealousy, you know, eventually turned into, you know, um, huge arguments, you know, like just very like, you know, very drama kind of filled was relationship. He, was he Latin? Huh? Was he Latin? He was uh, uh, Chicano. So he, you know, his mom was from Mexico and he was like first generation um, from the U.S. So he he actually was very machista. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, where, you know, I worked, I worked full time and then he still expected me to, you know, have the house clean, spotless. You know, he wanted me to look good for him and, and all those kinds of things. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't help me out. You know, he like, he wouldn't 
touch anything that had to do with domestic work or anything like that. So it was it was that like that power dynamic where, you know, he he wanted to have that control over me. Um, and, and like I said, just the jealousy and all those kinds of things. And, and, you know, like I think back and I'm like, okay, obviously I had my fault, my, my challenges as well. I was, I was not a perfect, uh, young wife. I, I still had a lot to learn, you know, but, um, I think ultimately he just, he, he just wanted something different. Like he, This is a reason, okay, like literally this is the reason he gave me, you know, after having a a baby, I gained weight. Well, during the pregnancy, I gained weight and um, it was very hard for me to lose it because I, you know, I I was I wasn't breastfeeding. And then um, I had a very uh, sedentary job. You know, I worked at an office, so. Uh, and I worked a lot of hours and, uh, I spent at, I probably, you know, in LA, I spent two hours to, to work and then two hours from work commuting. So that, that was like four hours of my day just sitting in a car. Uh, so I, it wasn't easy for me to lose the weight. And he literally, that's what he told me. He told me that, you know, I was lazy. I was fat. I was, um, like unattractive to him anymore uh, that I wasn't attractive to him anymore and that he deserved to have a wife that he was would be proud to be seen with and obviously that was no longer me he said so he, as you can he sounds huh? like a winner <laughs> I'm just oh a great great guy he was back then <laughs> yeah but you know I don't blame him because he was Obviously, it's like that saying, it's very cliche, but it's so true. Um, hurt people hurt people, you mm-hmm. know. And so I'm, I know now that he, he, ha- he had a lot of unresolved issues uh, that obviously he projected onto me. But um, I had low self-esteem when I went into the relationship because I grew up you know, being an introverted child, like people misunderstand you. They think that you're stuck up or they think that you're boring or they think this or they think that, you know. So my parents also, they they never, they didn't know because obviously they had their own self-esteem um, issues as well, but they didn't know how to build a child's self-esteem. You know, for my mom, it was like, don't, don't ever think you're better than anybody and like kind of you know, it was their interpretation of being humble, but but instead of just humbleness, it was more like just don't think of yourself at all. Like, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. so for me, like I, I, I never felt, you know, I, I felt smart because I did well in school, but I never felt like I was good enough. Mm-hmm. I, and, and that's our like I mentioned that is our inner critic our inner critic in one way tells or another tells us that we're not good enough we may not be good enough for our families we may not be good enough um to be loved or a a, a myriad of different ways that it tells us it's it's different for each individual person but for me it was like overall like i just i wasn't good enough of a person and so going into this a verbally abusive emotionally abusive relationship um I was already at a disadvantage you know and I didn't know it 
and and then and this is why I I'm so passionate about this topic because I I really feel like it it almost cost me my life you know mm-hmm. because when he asked for the divorce I mean my world was shattered I at the moment like it was it was you know how they say like the rug was swept from under me I had literally no idea that that was happening that th- this is how he was feeling and that's where we were headed and you had children so, right you have three and children. i had one yeah oh. we had one I, my son was eight months at that time and so it was just like so like unexpected so just it just completely like turned my world upside down and I, and 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 something i talked about um, in a book I co-authored, I talked about my story was that, you know, when I couldn't really turn to my family because they already didn't like him and I still wasn't sure if we were going to work it out or not blah, or, or anything like that. So it was very isolating, you know, because there was that, that time before we actually separated where it was, it was just pure hell. It was like, living with the roommate that that you hated (laughs) and that's how it was because we were no longer you know in a romantic or emotional relationship it was just we were just living together and you know arguments were would start out of nowhere um just every single because because of everything that was happening I started building a lot of resentment towards him so that resentment in turn turned into anger and so any little thing he would say to me it it just I I would explode Mm -hmm. you know and then for him it was like anything I did or said or didn't do it bothered him you know so it was just constant like chaos constant arguing constant fighting and my son was there for a lot of it he was a he was a baby you know but it's still not a good environment to be in so um, I finally, like, moved out of the house. But we were still, you know, seeing each other. We were still co-parenting. Um, and then he finally, like, filed, like, legally filed the divorce. And I got served. And it was just so soul-crushing for me. Like, man, like, this is really happening. And, you know, I had all these feelings of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Again, like, my... Mm, my self-esteem was non-existent because, you know, I felt like, wow, I couldn't even, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't make my marriage work. Like that was something for me too. It was like, I, I had, since I was little, I had dreamt of being married, of having children, my own family and having children. And, and, and I based the majority of my identity as a person in those roles. So, having your identity completely shattered is it's 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 an overwhelming sense of loss because it's very it's very confusing you're you're you start wondering you start getting all those like existential um (laughs) questions where you're like man like what am i doing here you know like what is the what is the point at least for me that's what i experienced and so i remember we had um I had had kind of an argument with my parents because I had moved in with my parents uh, and I was just feeling so, so low, like the lowest I had ever felt. Because, again, I felt I felt like a failure as a mom. I felt like a failure as a wife. 
I felt like a failure as a daughter. You know, I had just lost my job. We were losing the house. I mean, everything Oof. was just, <laughs> you know, it was like everything was wrong. I'm like, yeah. wow, this this is this this fucking sucks. <laughs> how, how old were you at this time? Yeah. How old were you at the time? At this I was uh, at the time I was 20, 20, 21. Wow. 21. So I was very ill equipped to handle all of that. And so uh, that happened. And so the weekend after I had the argument with my parents, I went to to our house that, you know, we had been we, we had as as a marriage as a marriage. But he was still um, living there um, while we were losing the house. And um, I walk in and he's like on the phone with somebody. And like I could tell he was on the phone with the woman, mm. you know. And I just, I lost my shit. I just, <laughs> I just, I went crazy. Like, did you just, get all Latin on him? <laughs> I did. I, uh, you know, it was, it was like, you know what? Like thinking back, like it was scary because it, I just felt like I was not in control. Like it wasn't me anymore. I was just along for the ride. And we started arguing where we kind of like, you know, we pushed each other and blah, 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 you know, all those kinds of things. And he like walked away from me and, and he went, I think, outside. And I was just like, I just remember like just feeling possessed to the point where I was like, I got to like make him pay. Like I have to make him pay for everything he's putting me through. And I locked myself in the bathroom. I found um, painkillers from my C-section wow. and I, I took a uh, a bunch of them. I rinsed them down with uh, faucet water, and I was like, "This is gonna take forever," you know. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the, I ran to the kitchen. I came back into the bathroom, and I, I slipped my wrist. Well, I, I, I could only draw a little blood because I was that that shit hurt a lot. <laughs> it's not like the babies. <laughs> yeah, I, and I had like the dullest knife too. <laughs> I remember it was horrible, but I was like, okay, well, you know, it was just like at that moment, like there was no rationalizing with me, you know, there was like, I wasn't thinking rationally because, you know, in my mind, I was telling myself like, you know, my son's going to be better. Everybody's going to just be better without me. Like I'm I'm a, I'm a piece of crap and everybody's just going to have a better life without me. You know, my pain, this, my, this pain that I'm feeling is going to end, you know, all those, all those deceptive thoughts that suicide can make you believe are real. Um, even though they're not, you know, but that's what you're feeling and that's what you're going through at that moment. And so they called the police, the police came and then I, I went to behavioral health for the 72 hour hold. And it, it was just so, it was just so like rock bottom for me, you know? And it was like, it took me a lot of years to, to build myself back up, to have a better relationship with myself and a lot of inner work to realize, you know, that loving myself has nothing to do with with other people's opinions or the roles I play for them, you know, and that 
I had to love myself because, you know, it's just me. And that's who I'm going to live with for the rest (laughs) of my life, no matter what. I'm I'm 40. I just turned 44. And I am just learning that lesson in my life. You know, I, my divorce um, was, was not um, very similar to yours in that way. Um, I was older. I was 28 when I got married. And I don't even know how old I was when I got divorced. I guess I was 39. <laughs> that was simple mm-hmm. math. I could figure that out. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, yeah, I had a few more tools in my toolbox because you were very young um, yes. for everything that, that you went through. Um, but I, I can relate to so much of what you've said because, you know, what, what I say about my divorce is I would have gotten divorced. It didn't matter who I married, <clears throat> who, who mm. I was when I got married at 28 was a shell mm. of a human being. It, it, it isn't who I am now. It wasn't even close. I was, I was just existing. You know, I, <clears throat> when I, yeah. when you, for me, a lot of it relates to my, um, parental wounds, you know, and my traumatic childhood. So I just existed. I, I, and I thought, you know, this is what you do. You go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have children. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I can go into a lot of reasons of why I picked the partner that I picked, but I, I try to be as respectful to the father of my children as I can be. Yes. But basically I feel like I I would have divorced anyone because I it's not that I was pretending to be someone I wasn't or anything like that. I just wasn't anything. It, I, I didn't love myself. I didn't even like myself. And mm-hmm. until I had children, I basically feel like I was just really waiting to die I've never been suicidal I've never attempted to take my life or had thoughts of that nature but I've always felt like death would be great (laughs) which is a really fucked up notion like I don't believe that anymore but for Mm -hmm. the majority of my life it's like hey that's awesome I don't have to worry about anything and you know money bills you know I just I I had no love for myself. I had no love for life. I had no love for anything. Um, yeah. And for me, you know, I, I don't take away, I'm not saying that the divorce was my fault. I'm just saying I know I didn't have any, I was not prepared to be with some, I, I there was no way I was going to pick someone for me that would work forever because I was just a horrible version of myself. Uh, I was very subservient. Um, I thought um, I just acquiesced to everything. And I, I just had no, I was nebulous. Like I had no depth. I had no um, anything. It, it really just, um, I was a shell of a human being. And you know, I do say I probably could still be married to this day um, with the father of my children if I had been given the space to become the person I am, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I wasn't. It, it became sort of like as I was trying to figure my own shit out, um, 
that just <laughs> that wasn't part of the the script <laughs> right and it really for me the defining moment I think um was looking at my children as they got just a little bit older and and realizing I needed to get my shit together for me for them um mm-hmm. and the marriage wasn't traumatic the the marriage was actually I think fine um the divorce was <laughs> contentious as fuck. That's a whole, that's a whole different podcast that, yeah. you know, one day I can do. Um, but yeah, cause emotions are running high. <laughs> yeah. The divorce was awful. Eagles are bruised. It, it's just, and you know, money's involved. And when divorce lawyers get involved, it's just, you know, they, yeah. they feed off anger. Um, oh, yeah. it's a contentious that energy level just permeates through uh, the legal system. Yeah, it's not it's not good. Um, anyone listening, if you, you know, do you decide to get a divorce, really try to deal with it outside of divorce court as much yes. as you can. I, I don't yeah. think you'll find one person who's who's gone through it that wouldn't say that. But um, mm-hmm. but like you, I do feel that the divorce. Um, the way I, I describe it often is like it was an explosion to my life, like everything to the, my family, my home, my children. To me, I I could totally relate to what you were saying about how I felt like such a fucking failure. I mean, I remember going through the divorce and just being in my bed and and crying, just sobbing because yeah. I I never wanted to get divorced. I never. I my mother was divorced or. You know, I thought she had been divorced three times, and I, I, everything about my life was I wanted to do it the opposite of my mother. So I did. I just didn't want to get a divorce. I didn't want to break up my family. But it felt like a train had just left the station, and <laughs> I was just trying to survive during those right. years. Um, and I wanted to comment on that. Go ahead. On the whole, obviously, n- nobody gets married, right? thinking oh i'm gonna get divorced one day we all get married thinking this is gonna be forever i mean that's the whole that's the whole expectation Mm -hmm. and that's that was the first topic i talked about in the blog was expectations and so i broke it down for people because i think a lot of times we don't remember what the definition of an expectation is and 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 that's just a strong belief that some something will be be or happen in the future and that that's how it's going to be right so that that's one of our obviously our main expectations in marriage is that this is going to be forever mm-hmm. right but we set ourselves up in a way for failure in that way because it's like nothing is forever like we have to understand that absolutely nothing is forever there may be marriages that that do last until death do them part but at the same time when you're open when when you go into a marriage you know committed but at the same time open to possibilities i think it prepares you so much more than 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 going into something and saying like this is exactly how it's going to be no matter what you know with these very strong belief systems because as you know i mean our belief systems are some of the strongest motivators in our lives Mm -hmm. you know other than emotions and if you believe something to be absolute truth there is 
I mean, when when that image or when that situation completely shatters, that's that's why, you know, for example, for me, that's why I reacted the way I reacted, because I was again, I was absolutely sure that this marriage was going to be forever that I had already planned our, our, our life, you know, 10, 15 years ahead of time, you know, so seeing that plan crumble before your eyes is, it's, it's very shocking, you know, and it's soul crushing. So in the middle of an argument, you know, we, we say those words, like, I don't even know who you are anymore. And again, it was like, well, we nitpicked. We nitpicked what we wanted to see in the person and what we didn't want to see. And so, again, those expectations are are really what a lot of times are hard to let go. And that's why we have a hard time a lot, uh, 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 many in many occasions in our lives, not just divorce, um, of moving forward, of letting go of something that's not healthy or, or, or good for you anymore. Um, because we don't want to let go of those expectations, you know? No. So I don't know if that was the case for you as well. I, uh, I mean, some things were the same. Some were uh, a bit different. I, for me, I, you know, to give my ex-husband credit, and I think every person I've ever dated before, <laughs> probably since then, I've always, because of a lack of self-worth and self-love, that I had for myself, I kind of always, even though I had no intention, I had the expectation of being married forever and I didn't want to get divorced. I think mm-hmm. subconsciously, I always figured that was going to happen. Like, oh, yeah. we're going to get a divorce. Like, because I know in fights and stuff and, you know, things like that, I kind of mm-hmm. was, I would be like, all right, well, let's just get a divorce. Like, very oh, casually. Oh, jumped on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and that's a that's I take full full responsibility for that. But now looking back, twenty twenty, I know that that came from a sense of like I, I just I never thought I was worthy of anything of any mm-hmm. you know um, happy home, happy life, nothing. I just yeah. um, you know expected the kind of worst for me. Um, am I you know? my tolerance for how I allowed people to treat me was super low. Uh, And it's not till now that, you know, now that I have self-worth, now that I have self-love, you know, when someone comes at me with, you know, what I describe as an elbow to the face, you know, not Mm -hmm. actually literally, but (laughs) (laughs) figuratively, um, it doesn't affect me. I mean, it, it, it's I, mm-hmm. I kind of have this little mantra where, you know, I, I get that email or I get that text. It's like, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to forgive you or thank you for the opportunity to not be <laughs> in your life. <laughs> yes. Like It's just my whole perspective in life has changed. I am the one thing I can say about my divorce categorically um, is it was the birth of of me. It, mm-hmm. you know, when I was kneeling, I was an atheist prior to my divorce. And um, I remember just being, it, you know, we were in the middle of court dates and it was just shit was just coming at me in a thousand different directions. I was just, it, it just felt like I was trying to keep my head above water and, and try to keep the kids, 
away from it as much as possible, but even that wasn't, you know, um, it was just a shit time. It was shitty. It was just the worst, the worst. Yes. Um, and every insecurity, every, everything um, I didn't like about myself was just radiated more and more during those days. And I just remember yeah. this one night, you know, I got down on my knees and, and I was like, fuck it. I don't know if you exist. And, you know, talking to God, and I was like, I don't know if you yeah. exist. But I need your help. I need something. I, you know, I, j- I, I wanted to die. I didn't. I wasn't suicidal. I didn't, you know, actually, uh, um, do anything. But right. the desire to end it, just to end <laughs> that, that all the pain and suffering would end, was mm-hmm. so strong with me that day that, you know, I, I, I got on my knees and I, I just prayed. I just prayed, and to me that was like the beginning of my birth of who I am today it was like all right if I'm gonna fucking implode my life if my life is gonna implode I'm gonna rebuild it and I'm gonna rebuild it you know it's a, like the six million dollar woman <laughs> like I'm gonna do it better yeah. and stronger and for me and it sounds like you and I think why we relate so well is it became yeah. a, a a self-study like it wasn't looking out externally to um other people and blaming other people exactly I think understanding how other people opinions of us or what they said to us subconsciously stuck to us at you know whatever age um right and how that tra- you know came to be years later and those patterns repeat itself but it became yeah. a, a, like what can i can't change anyone else's behavior and i can't go back and change the past what can i do today and exactly yeah, and it's um, it was the best thing for me. I literally never felt joy. Even at the birth of my children, I didn't feel joy. I did not know what that emotion was. It was not something that I had experienced many times in my life. So, yeah. you know, I, I I feel joy almost on the daily now. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just yeah. constantly grateful. I'm constantly feeling blessed and lucky and and just happy which again five years ago I couldn't even look people in the eyes I just had oh yeah it, no like you know there's no depth to us no like you said no but it's uh, so true what you just said too going back because I experienced that too with the birth of my son I I, I wasn't well I was you know, I had a C-section, so I was also drugged up. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that had a lot to do with it. (laughs) But, you know, even I I remember even after, you know, taking him home and stuff, it was, I I felt, again, I felt like something was wrong with me because I didn't feel that that bond that everybody talked about, you know, that mothers talk to you about, of just overwhelming joy, um, and just feeling like just completely in love with your child and and all those kinds of emotions right I, I didn't feel that I felt like so detached it felt like I just numb like you said I just felt numb and it took me probably over a year and and probably too you know back then you know I don't know maybe maybe it was but at least for me 10 years ago that's how old my son is 10 years ago um 
there wasn't a lot of talk about postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So I I was probably experiencing that and I didn't know. Um, And so, again, it it took me over a year to actually bond with my son. I mean, another thing was I didn't breastfeed him. So I I think now now I'm a breastfeeding advocate. But um, back then, because I was so uneducated, uh, I didn't breastfeed. So that was another portion I think that also hindered our, our bond. Um, but, but I think overall, it's like you said, like I had no idea who I was. Like I had never worked on myself. I had never, you know, like back then, like I, it never even crossed my mind to ask myself, like, like, what do you want out of life? Like, what are your plans other, other than just you know, plants uh, that have that pertain to your marriage or pertain to your child or just like Diana as a human being, as a woman, like, what do you like? What do you enjoy? What do you want to do? What What are your goals for the future? Th- that never crossed my mind back then. And now I feel like it's so essential to my well-being to ask myself those questions, to, you know, constantly put it in my wellness and my happiness in the forefront because I'm I'm such a believer that you know a healthy human being a healthy per- mom it, or woman is gonna be a, a better mom is gonna be a better wife is gonna be you know all those roles oh, are gonna be able you know no I, to- so I, I I totally agree I had you know when the twins were born I I had postpartum. I wasn't diagnosed. Like you said, it was, that was 15 years ago. I didn't talk. You would think the doctors would have been like, Hey, (laughs) but all I felt was fear. Like I I felt this immense sense to protect my children. Like um, the protection part was totally there, but the joy that bond, I, I don't know about the bond part so much, but the, the joy wasn't there. It was just functioning and keeping them safe. And then yes. looking back, I, kept, I think I, I think that kind of what triggered me was I was so scared of becoming my mother. I was so scared that I wasn't going to be able to love them, uh, be a good mother, that mm. I, I shut down on like some emotional level. I just had to shut the fuck down. Like, yeah. Um, Cause I didn't, I didn't, my friends that know me, knew me then that know me now are like, I, I didn't talk. I just, again, I just existed. Yeah. And, um, you know, but now, you know, I have, my relationship with my kids is like one of my biggest accomplishments. Like I'm just, I, I feel so close to each of them. And, um, yes. you know, people comment uh, comment excuse me I'm getting a little emotional on that a lot um, yes and I, I you know I I can now as a 44 year old go back and like thank my mother and say you know what all the shit <laughs> you did made me the mother who I am today and I'm not perfect and you know they I'm sure have um a few therapy sessions in their future <laughs> um, and some mommy issues to get over. But, you know, they know I love them. There's no question about that. And, and like I tell them, I didn't beat you. 
yeah. so, so you were you already ahead of the game, but um, <laughs> but now like to who I am today, I know that I, it's it's this is how I think about parenting. If I'm happy and I'm calm and I'm productive and I'm getting my shit together, it, the, the three of them are like little orbits around me. Like I'm the sun and they're yes. the planets, and and whatever yeah. I'm feeling or doing or expressing that's exactly how they orbit around me if i'm stressed if i'm angry uh it's it's you could see it you know if i snap at them Mm -hmm. just within a few minutes they're snapping at each other um it's it's um yeah because it's a reflection of you yeah and so now you know now me being happy and being healthy and and having self-worth and having self-confidence and you know just kind of taking the divorce and using it as an opportunity to rebuild myself you know I know I've made them proud I know um, it was the it was the best thing in the end for all of us um, yeah so you know anyone listening and <laughs> I just want to say if you find yourself in that situation if um, what you know every divorce is like a snowflake everything's different you know completely um, I'm spacing on the word or you know um, like a fingerprint there everything's unique to a divorce to so your divorces might be completely different than yours or mine but try to get to a point where you can look at things as an opportunity to rebuild yourself um, yes, I think would be the point of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, it's all about perspective. Yeah, you sound, you know, again, I haven't met you in person or anything, but you sound articulate, intelligent, healthy. And, um, you know, I think your story is really inspiring because you, you look where you are now. <laughs> so, And so you you're an introvert that does coaching because that's kind of unique. Well, that's actually my my niche that I because and I'm actually writing a book about that because that that's exactly what people uh, tell me when they when they meet me. They're like, you're an introvert, but you're a coach like that doesn't go together. You know, they think that it's kind of a strange dynamic. But I'm like, well, you know, I feel like it's it's perfect for me because I I prefer one-on-one conversations just how you and I are doing Marisol like I feel I feel a connection like everything we're talking about um I resonate deeply with it you know and those are that's where I thrive um as as a because my personality is like that um so for me coaching was a natural fit because my whole life I've been the listener you know for people mm-hmm. I've always been that person I mean my family my my friends they've I've always been that person that they can go to and talk to you know and and unknowingly I always was like very I always tried it because I always had the sense of like I don't know everything you know mm-hmm. so I'm never going to assume that whatever this person is telling me um that i absolutely i know the absolute truth and that things are just the way they are and that's it so i was always very objective when when people would tell me their problems i mean sure i you know what i would 
once in a while fall into like, you know, um, being kind of an enabler, you know, mm -hmm. for people, because that's kind of like what's expected of a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you, you, you're working an event together. We're going to talk crap about this person or whatever. But it always felt yucky, at, you know, at the end, like after the conversation, I always felt yucky, like just like felt gross, like having talked so much smack about somebody, even though it was for a friend. So as a coach, obviously, we are very objective. We're very non-judgmental. So that was a very natural fit for me. Um, so we just had this really interesting conversation today about, well, it was, you know, about divorce. And I'd like to phrase it as the opportunities that divorce gives you to um, improve yourself, love yourself, learn about yourself, rebuild your life. And, um, you know, we were, I feel like we have so much more we can talk about motherhood, <laughs> postpartum depression. <laughs> um, and I'm sure I will definitely have you back on the podcast to go over those things. But I wanted to circle back and um, talk more to your point to your blog post that you shared with me, which was, and you know, we'll put a link um, to that blog piece in the promotion. Um, about being stuck, that feeling of, you know, why we stay in the situations that don't serve us. Um, so take it away. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. And you know what, too, what's interesting, a lot of times, even though, you know, like the relationship has ended, um, I know for me, the what I experienced, and, and a lot of women who I've spoken to in my life, uh, friends and family members and, and coaching clients, they have a hard time letting go of the past, of what happened to them, you know, and that a lot of times prevents them from now creating the life that they, they would want to live that they wish to create for themselves and you know like I mentioned in, in in my blog that was the question that my client asked me but in reality she was asking herself you know why can't I move on why can't I just let go you know I, f I have all these um, feelings of resentment and anger um, and I feel like I'm blaming that person and I just, I can't move on with my life because they are carrying around all that baggage, you know? <clears throat> and for me, something important that I pointed out to her was you, you're, first of all, we, we were, we're judging ourselves when we, when, when we are in that energy level of feeling angry with ourselves for not being able to just let go, right? Mm -hmm. um, for not being able to just move on. Like, why can't I just get over it? And, you know, we put ourselves down. And so it was something important for me to tell her, you know, or help her realize, not for me to tell her, but something that she had to discover on her own, uh, that first of all, don't judge yourself. Don't don't be unkind to yourself because you are human and you do have these emotions. And this was an important part of your life. So you can't just like sweep things under the rug because as we know, repressed feelings 
things show up, they manifest in our lives in other ways that we would never imagine. So that was the first step for her was to bring awareness to that judgment she had towards Mm -hmm. herself. And then secondly, you know, I explained to her the way I the way I was taught in um, in coaching and I have experienced in my life as well is that there's different there's different energy levels for our 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 lives. You know, sometimes they c- it, it could be eras of our lives and sometimes it could be situational um, or individual to people in our lives or ourselves. But I told her, you know, this energy level that she that she was operating in the majority of the time when it came to her divorce was um, the victim level. You know, mm-hmm. she felt sorry for herself. She felt um, be, like she was a victim to the circumstance that happened to her. Right. So mm-hmm. I told her, you, we need to understand that it is serving a purpose for you. You know, everything that we do is for a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't just arbitrarily, you know, do things in our lives. There, there's reasons and emotions behind everything that we do. So the reason for her, and I, and again for me as well, I could completely resonate with that. Was that uh, being in that victim mentality? And I'm not talking, you know, when I say victim, I'm not talking about somebody who 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 experienced trauma or, or, or something horrible was done to them. That's not the type of victim, but victim means in this set, in this context, it means, um, you are, you are not in control of your life, right? You're not, you're not taking responsibility. I, so I told her, you know, I defi- it was, I, I, yes, I, I define it. Cause I was there. I was that, I, I, I think I wrote something about it, calling it the victim card. Like I, Yes. I felt like I was, um, why does this keep happening to me? Why, you know, I'm a good person. Why, why do these bad things, you know, continue to happen? And um, I was carrying mm-hmm. that victim card from my childhood. And it was actually, um, you know, I've, I've been to therapy and they never use the word victim or anything like that. It was actually a massage therapist that... <laughs> That like yeah. I came in to get a massage, and you know she'd been hearing all the, you know, ter- ups and downs of my divorce, and she was just really cool, and she was like, "Girl, you just gotta turn the page on that story." She's like, "You know, yeah. you're gonna keep being a victim, you know, as long as you keep talking about being a victim." And it, for some reason, un- even though that makes complete sense, until that moment, I wasn't ready to hear that, and I think. For people, sometimes, um, you know, I see it now. I see it with people who are, you know, are bitter, are just super bitter and just angry and just, you know, just still stuck in that same position that they were in. Um, And, you know, it always makes me sad for them because it's like I can talk till I'm blue in the face. I can offer you self-help books. I can give you a name of a great therapist, but I've just come to learn that's everyone's personal journey until they're ready to hear that message you can't really change that perspective yes that's so true that's so true and and for me the the realization and learning it helped me stop being so judgmental with people and myself because 
you know, a lot of times when we do hear people venting and they are stuck in, in that victim um, cycle, we get frustrated with them or we get angry and we're like, you know, we're like, oh, man, there she is again. Or there you go. There she goes with her bitter ass or, you know, yeah, yeah. like just talking smack. But it's it, you know, it helped me understand, like, there's a reason behind this, you know, being a victim, it, hel- it helps them avoid responsibility mm-hmm. um, for what they can do in their lives. And and it helps them uh, gain sympathy for, from those people around them, mm-hmm. you know, because that that's going to provide, you know, comfort for them at that time. But what's important is you have to realize, is that really is, is that really sustainable in the long run? You know, like, is this really what you want? for the rest of your life like do you want to go throughout your 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 existence uh being bitter like you said um building up walls and not letting people in um and not fully loving somebody again and trusting you know you, you we know once we experience divorce uh trust is an extremely difficult thing for divorcees to establish again in their lives to be able to say you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fall fall into that mentality that you know all men are the same and they're all dogs and (laughs) you know like there's no relationships out there for me etc like you have to really trust that the universe is gonna is going to allow for things to happen in the right time and that you are worthy and deserving of, of love once again, if that's meant for you. And if it's not, then you got to be okay with that as well. Um, but that I mean, was something that we had to work through that energy. I see it um, a lot with like women who are getting a separation or a divorce, you know, they'll, they'll message me and ask for advice or thoughts and, you know, or when after they've gotten the divorce, um, mm-hmm. it maybe it might be more generational. I don't know about younger women, but I do feel that there's a, a population who want to just get married again, like very, <laughs> like um, yeah, or find that man very quick. Like, uh, and and you know, I I don't want to be judgmental to each their own, but I always kind of just want right. to put my hand in my mouth and be like girl (laughs) like wait slow down you know like um you know stop take a breath and yeah you know again I, I I say this over and over again take that destruction you know that a divorce is I don't care how nice of a divorce you might have it's still Mm -hmm. an end of something and take your time it's an opportunity it's not an opportunity to learn about other people um it's an opportunity for you to learn about yourself and how you want to show up. I I mean, I I'm going on my fifth year from my divorce and I just now just like within the last three weeks, I think have said, you know what? I think I'm ready for a, I'm open. I'm open to falling in love. Like I've dated, I've gone out and you know, I, I still believe that conditioning that story that, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just, to find a mate and partner up and um I think I was self-protecting myself by <laughs> by you know n- not f- 
dating people that I, I wouldn't end up in a long-term relationship with because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I, I had to take these last few years for myself, for my kids. It, um, yes. If it happens, great. You know, I'm, I'm totally open for it. But I also know I'm totally happy or I have the ability to be happy on my own. Um, I can take care right. of myself. And I've learned so much more about myself. Like I know I am only going to attract what I'm, I feel worthy of, you know? Um, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if I'm articulating that well. Uh, of course. And, and yeah, I, no, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And sense. The, the version I am today is going to, I'm just not going to take people's crap anymore. (laughs) I don't don't have, you know, I don't have the, the tolerance to, to play games or, you know, break up and get back together. And, you know, just, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good. And I need someone equally good, equally emotionally um, strong. And the, you know, that has some depth that can say, you know what, I, I have emotions and here are my feelings. <laughs> Let's talk. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I do feel that a lot of uh, people don't take that. And men as well. You know, I, I say women, but I also oh, yeah. have lots of men friends and they just like, like they, I actually feel like they're more inclined to jump into a relationship very quickly. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> yes, you like, and again, it, that's that was my experience. Yeah, everyone kind of thinks, oh, the divorce, you know, the it's all about the ex and the ex and what the ex did to me and you know me me you know, and it's like no, it's you. You've got to figure out you. How are you going to show up mm-hmm. in the next relationship? Um, yes, that's my my thinking. But then again, I'm single, so, so it's really easy. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, you're definitely on. I feel like on this on the right track as well. And I think and I, and I want to commend you for having that awareness and building that consciousness in yourself, because uh, like you said, a lot of people don't take the time um, because they either don't know better or they, they it has never dawned on them. You know what I mean? And I think that's why it's so important to plant seeds with people as far as um, personal development may be, because uh, even though it's so a lot of times it's very cliche and, you know, it's so watered down that it becomes yeah. um, meaningless. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. I'll cut that off. <laughs> that it, it so, um, um, what's I saying? That self help can that you- it becomes cliche, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you know, it's it's like, yeah, but if you dig deep, you know, and do the actual the hard work, because this is something that I, I mentioned to um, somebody I, I know, um, that. Uh, she she's also stuck in the victim mentality and that energy level. Um, and, and I kind of had mentioned to her like, hey, you know, if you need coaching, I'm always here for you. Uh, just let me know. Um, and she was like, yeah, OK, that sounds great. And so then I had sent her like, you know, a, like a motivational quote kind of. Mm-hmm. And she her response was like, well, it's not that easy. Yeah. And I, and I just, you know, as I just sat there and I was like, okay, first of all, like, I'm not going to judge. <laughs> I'm not going to judge. Um, and I, I understand why she feels that way. But 
I it's something I wanted to stress to her and I did let her know it's like I have never said that this is easy and I will never say that to anybody because it's taken me you know it, it took me like eight years of of personal development of like hard work of of crying and just breaking down and just ugliness in order to be the woman I am today. You know, I look, I I look almost nothing like the person I was 10 years ago, you know, as far as emotionally and spiritually it goes. Um, and so to me, uh I no, I completely concur with you. It's not, it's not easy. It, uh, you know, to me, the, you know, I, I'm thinking of a specific person in my mind who also kind of rebuffs any thoughts of, of emotional development of personal growth. And yeah. to me, it's like, my gosh, you know, if if I had gotten this education in lieu of the education I, I did get, oh, we're <laughs> edit that out. Um, but if I'd gotten that education, this education, this personal development, I mean, if someone had anywhere along the line of my life just been like, hey, do you love yourself? Do you like yourself? Yes. That could have just changed the trajectory of my life. Oh, my God. Yes. But. Yes, girl. It's just, <laughs> I'm it's, like, yeah, putting it's, my hat like, preach. Seriously. It's, it's not, you know, it, and the thing is, you have to go look for it. And, you know, it's a billion dollar industry. We've got the self-help books. You've got, you know, coaches. There's so many. There's therapy. And there's, yeah. like, what I tell people is, like, what I did for me doesn't have to work for you. It's like, um, yep. there's a, it, there's infinite ways to figure it out for yourself. It, mm-hmm. it For me, it was yoga. It was, you know, finding my own spirituality again. It was, um, you know, just taking care of my body, my health. Um, and it was facing, the, the part that is really true, with, you know, that felt really true when you said it is, it is hard. It is not easy. Um, you you can't um, throw up a motivational quote on Facebook and be like, "Hey, all's good with me." No, right? <laughs> if you yeah. if you have not literally gone like gone through every single one of your demons, and some of them you don't even know what they are. It's right. so in your subconscious that you haven't gone through them and. You know, I, I say you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can't go around it. You got to go through it. You got yep. to go through it to get to the other side. It's not easy. It's not for the it's not for the mild um, of heart. And mm. you know, for people that you know, sometimes I'll have someone who will make fun of me or you know my my hippie ways, as they say. Um, <laughs> I same here. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a rat's ass because. Again, I'm happy. Like, I'm genuinely, I'm not happy 24-7. In fact, if I'm happy 80% of the time, I take it as a great day. But I am happy. Um, I'm at peace. I'm not reactive most of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. I love my life. I am grateful for my life. Um, I love, I'm just happy. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's an energy that I have that I didn't have five years ago. Um, and it's, it isn't easy, but nothing worth having is easy. And, you know, some people are blessed absolutely with a great childhood, great parents, and, you know, have so much less to 
walk through, but everyone has something because we're infallible. So our parents are infallible and we all, you know, we all start to believe, have personal belief systems that aren't true and, you know, going back and figuring what those are and um, getting on the other side of it is, is the work, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something too, that, that I wanted to tell your listeners was, um, you know, because we hear a lot about the the self-help and personal development and all of that. Um, and, and a lot of times it's so um, abstract, you know, where that people don't know where to start. You know, like um, recently somebody told me that, like, I, I have no idea e- how to even begin working with my uh, on myself. And, you know, one of the biggest things that for me, um, it was re like you said, revisiting what my old belief system was, like what I thought to be true growing up, like where, where did this belief come from? And, you know, how did I learn this and how has, how has it either helped me or hindered me in my life? And then based on that, I, I, I actually, I had a a list of, of values right I had an actual list of of values in life and I I picked out like what what I wanted to experience like that's what I asked myself like in my lifetime because I only get one life what do I want to experience what are the things I want to feel how do I want to show up in life and based on that I picked out values that aligned with that vision You know, and those values, you know, for example, for me, my top values are family, um, authenticity um, and creativity. So for me, that, you know, like creativity was was never really taught to me. But that's a new that's a new one that I uh, adopted for myself. Because like I said, I, I, I did the work. I said, what do I want? Like, what do I want to experience? What have I, what had have I always dreamt of? And I never was, was um, confident enough to, to pursue, you know, and now that I have self-love, now that I do love myself and I have way more confidence than I ever did, um, regardless, you know, like now I'm like 30 pounds overweight, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. now... I'm, I'm, I'm at a way better place now than I was when I was skinny, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's just like, I would so rather do that hard work and, and see the, how my life has changed. Um, and so for me, that was like one of the biggest and, and most crucial steps for me, because like my values, you know, and, and for any, any human being, our values are like our foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a strong foundation, it's going to it's going to be able to build upon itself but if you have no idea what your values are or or what you want out of life then then you're going to you're going to start building on something that that is not strong that is not going to hold up yeah. when 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 shit hits the fan as mm-hmm. they say you know what i mean so for me that that would be one of the biggest like I really want to stress that to the listeners is go through, like go through a list, you know, and, and say like, what are the values that I want in my life? What, what are my old values? Are they serving me? And by serving, I I, I mean, like, are they, 
working for me? Or is this something um, that is um, empowering me? Okay, so when I use the word serve, that's what I mean. So they have to ask themselves, what is it that that is working for me and what's not working for me? And and build that new set of values that's going to work for you now as as the human being you are now. And then based on those values, you know, you can start doing the rest of, of your work. You know, you can start doing, um, for example, um, like I said, the inner critic, because we all have the inner mm-hmm. critic. And so work on the inner critic. Sometimes just mine naming. sounds a lot like my mother, by the way. <laughs> it can. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It, it can be because it can manifest in that way. Yeah. You know, and, and for most of us, I, for me, my inner critic was created when I was a child. Yeah. Um, I, I can almost pinpoint the the time that it was created. And, and something I also touched on the blog is that we have to understand that just like our energy levels, our inner critic also serves a purpose. Um, the inner critic's purpose is to... Um, prevent us from from feeling pain you know it's trying to protect us Mm -hmm. it's not that you're just like this horrible human being and you're just like trying to torture yourself of course not nobody does that just because but the inner critic is a coping mechanism and and so the 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 thing is like when I like when I went through this exercise and like I addressed my inner critic directly like I basically like faced my inner critic and I told her like I understand that you're here to help but you're not needed right now you like I'm fine I I can I I have I I've got this you know (laughs) like I can do this and and I you can come along well that's the thing too like recognizing that it's not just going to disappear you know, like we're not living in this fairy tale world where it's like, oh, everything's going to be cupcakes and rainbows. Mm-hmm. No, no. We have to understand and acknowledge our darkness, right? To see the light. And it's, to exactly. me, it's a practice. Whatever you're, yes. however it, whatever you do for yourself that works for you, um, it's a, it's a practice. Like I, I call it, you know, getting on my mat and falling off my mat, <laughs> you know, yes, <laughs> there, it, you, I get a bad period, you know, a nasty email, and it's raining outside, guess what, I might crawl into bed and get into the fetal position and invoke that all the, the, my, I call it my inner child, my inner child, my default comes back up. It's mm-hmm. and you know, she's a part of me that's always going to be there. But yes. it's a shadow, instead of being the yes. dominant, she's in the She's in the background and she's kind of like an echo and I can look at her and be like, not today. (laughs) I love you. Not today. And everyone's different. Everyone needs, you know, has a different way to uh, everyone. That's everyone's own personal journey, I think, personally. And, you know, I think to, to your point, there's a lot of different ways for people to get to the point that I think you and I are are at now. Um, and I hope, you know, we can, and remember it's a work in progress. So (laughs) it's a work in, it's for everybody, (laughs) not perfection, you know, it's it's a work, it's progress, not perfection. I'm never, I mean, I don't want to say never, maybe I'll become, you know, self act, so self-actualized. I'll be the the Buddha reincarnate. Doubt it. (laughs) Sincerely doubt it. I'm happy with where I'm at right now, but it, 
you know, for for people out there, I hope that, you know, we've offered some insight into how it can be, you know, how self-development and self-help, why it's a billion-dollar industry, because it can actually help you. It's not the, you know, for the people that kind of make fun of it or go, you know, that's frou-frou or woo-hoo or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of shrug my shoulders and have a little smile and think, you know, I'm much happier with (laughs) me. And like, yes, you know, one word that you said that rang so true to me, and it's it's probably my biggest um, compass is authenticity. Like I, that's my goal is I just want to be authentic. I just want to, I feel like I've spent so much of my life being inauthentic. um, Yeah. In the sense that I didn't know who the fuck I was. You know, I was just, like I've said before, just a shell, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. But now, you know, I I see myself for who I am, and I love myself. You know, I want to be my friend. I want to date myself. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I want to be my own mother. Like, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I... my issues are for everyone to read on the blog or listen to the yeah. podcast. <laughs> not professing perfection by any fucking stretch of the imagination. But absolutely, um, you know, I think I think to live authentically is just the most. Um, it's it's what I want most for my children. You know. Um, yes. It's it's and it's not it's not easy, but it's it's it, worth it's it. Not. Exact. That's exactly the way I put it. It's not easy, but it is worth it. Yeah. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be ugly and it's going to be messy and all of those things. <laughs> but hard and ugly and messy doesn't mean that it can't have a beautiful outcome, you know. And on that lovely note, I'm going to just say it's been such a pleasure having you on. And I definitely, definitely, definitely want to have you back on in the future because I feel like we can just have a conversation about anything. Um, Yes, thank you so much. It would be great. Um, But I do want to send people to your blog or your social media, wherever you want to um, um, have them read your stuff. And, uh, And I'm, you know... I have that kind of weird sense of humor. So I just want to say, I'm really glad that knife was dull. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, um, so go ahead, give us your information. Thank you, Marisol. So my website is uh, www.empowermentdiana.com. And then I am on Instagram and Facebook as introverts empowerment. I still think that's awesome. <laughs> it's like the perfect little um yeah that's awesome um all right well thank you so much for being on the show and again listeners um please like comment share follow um sign up for email notifications um really excited the um we've got some sponsors coming up and um i'm just so grateful grateful for all of you um and, you know, for me, this podcast has been part of my self-help. It's actually publicized in the self-help category, which was kind of accidental, or I didn't put myself there. I'm not actually sure how I got put in there, but it worked out perfectly because it is kind of what it's about. Um, you know, if you go way back to the beginning of this podcast and listen to today, you'll notice not only the difference in the vo- in the sound, 
but in me, you know, um, and in my confidence and in my self-love and, and me overcoming my, my personal demons, which, you know, I kind of share with everyone. So you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, have a great day. That's the show. From one introvert to another, thank you, Diana, for sharing your story. And thank you, listeners, for taking this journey with Marisol. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and share the blog and podcast with your friends and family. Want more Marisol? Check out her blog at shityoucantmakeup.com or find her on Instagram at Marisol's Podcast or, of course, Facebook. I'm Sean, the producer, and you can hear me on Dadson, all one word, D-A-D-S-O-N podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcast or find me on Instagram. We'll see you next time.